A poem is a small machine made of words. William Carlos Williams. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, exploring the poetry scene of Central Canada and beyond with Amanda Earle and A.M. Kozak. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. This is uh, the start of our third season. I'm Amanda Earle. I'm A.M. Kozak. And with us, we have our special guest, who is... Cameron Asty. Hi, Cameron. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks for being here. We're, we're glad to see you. And uh, that's all the banter I have. Do you have any banter, Aaron? <laughs> Did you ever think we'd make it to three seasons, Amanda? Um, I never thought beyond the first episode. Really, I didn't know what I didn't. I don't think long and hard about these things when I decide to do them. <laughs> Otherwise, Neither I'd be too I. afraid. I think I would too. Yeah, I don't yeah. think about the end, only the start. I because I'm really afraid of commitments, so it's, yeah. it's. I don't like to think things would. I mean, things that I've I st- I've started have been around for 15 years, or right. you know. So that's a scary thought. So I'm just glad we're still alive and uh, still here. We're still here. We're, we get along fine, so that works. So far, <laughs> so far, we haven't had any fights on the podcast yet. Okay. Today could be a start. Though, yeah. No, you look strong. You look. We look fit like we're and ready for season three. All right, we're ready for season three. Okay, how about I give Cameron a, a biography? You're uh, going to give him so, a biography. Yeah, so he give me something better for... than I've got. <laughs> oh, I should have prepped something. Yeah. You know what? I just have to read the words in front of me because I didn't really think about uh, preparing anything better. So Cameron Anstey lives and writes in Ottawa where he runs Apartment 9 Press and holds a PhD in Canadian literature from the University of Ottawa. He's the editor of The Collected Poems of William Hawkins from Shoddier Books 2015 and the author of Book of Annotations from Invisible Publishing 2018, which we're going to talk about today. We are, and uh, congratulations on the book. Thank you very much. It's, it's still new and fresh and exciting. That's good. And my copy, of course, is quite dog-eared, as, as you probably... I got a few in mind. Oh, he's got dog-ears. Yeah, we, we, we've, we started... Aaron started to do dog-ears. It's, well, not, it's not the way that I read books, and it, like, I, I find it uncomfortable when people do that. I know. dog-ears? Look at this. Yeah. Isn't, it, isn't it terrifying? Yeah. Well, I used to do sticky notes, but this is actually a lot more economical and environmental. That's true. I do That's both. true. I do both. Oh, he's got a good point there. Yeah. Hmm. So I, this isn't a question. It's actually a comment. So I, I was saying that um, to me, it corresponds exactly to the William Carlos Williams quote we open the podcast with for each episode, which is the small, the poem. Can't even say it, right? The poem is a small machine. <laughs> How long have you been doing this podcast? Yeah, really, man. <laughs> Yeah, the poem is a small machine. Actually, so the quote is, really, is, the poem is a small and large machine made of words, but we're sticking with this. It's a small machine made of words. Each poem operates like a tiny perpetual motion machine with the momentum of minimal words that create a balance and push the poems forward, allowing space for the reader to breathe and think. So I just wanted to open with that because I really enjoyed the book. And uh, that's that's not a question at all. So, so maybe <laughs> someone else might have right. questions. That's all I have to say. Well, it's very nice of you to say that. Uh, I think it's an interesting quote from Williams, right? Yeah. Like, like I don't, I haven't read a ton of uh, his criticism or his essays, Mm -hmm. so I don't know the full context of that. But it's like a World War II era kind of. Yeah, and I've forgotten everything I remembered about that quote when when I first looked it up and liked it. So (laughs) that like that uh, calling a poem a machine is really interesting in like a a World War context, right? It is. Like thinking, especially like a small machine. Yeah. Like a sort of a counterforce to all that. That's it. Horrifying destruction. Exactly. But it still has stuff from the outside coming in. So Mm -hmm. I I think a perpetual motion machine kind of doesn't, it gets going and then it does. But but, so I think with your stuff, it still has stuff coming from the outside to start it off and get it going. So it's not just working inside itself, but it's going Mm -hmm. back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my thing. That's the question. All that right. was not a question. I know it's not a question. Question two. <laughs> question 
not question two, right? Okay, so... Just turn the page for this, right? Yes. I almost forgot. So along with the conciseness of most of your poems, other parts of your style remind me of imagism and the haiku. Some of the poems in Book of Annotations, like Reception and Aggregate, rep Repetition or Near Repetition at the end reframes what came before. And I find that the turn in these poems, it becomes their core element, kind of like their aha moment, where I can picture you performing them, the audience going like that poetry thing. Hmm, you know? Mm. Do they do they think with their beards? They like yeah, stroke yeah. their hmm. beards? And... For us that don't have beards, we just have to scratch our chins. Right. Um, is, is, well, Cameron, is there something about a turn or reframing things in poems that particularly appeals to you? Or does it just kind of come out this way? Or do you think that I'm making this up and it doesn't? There is no turns in your poems. The, the repetition is all very deliberate. Mm -hmm. um, hmm, how to think through that. Uh, I like, obviously I like small works, mm -hmm. as I think the book makes abundantly clear um and i always think there's something sort of audacious about like a really small poem you know like it's something that depending on the reader uh like poses a challenge like are you willing to accept this thing as a poem and i think especially for people that aren't really deeply invested in like the poetry world to begin with that like there's sort of like a a response that opposes that right like, like i've shown my students when i used to teach lots and lots of very short poems and i would get these these looks like what you're calling this thing a poem and I, I always was interested in that sort of tension and friction and then as I read more and more short works I started to really like when you're only working with a few words or a few lines what can you get away with in terms of like cycling and repeating within that and so where does the repetition like open something up or where does the repetition um, like where can there be subtle variation in the repetition mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I'm striving necessarily for like a, I hope there are like aha moments, but I'm not trying to like place them, right? I'm not right. trying to hope everyone gets the same thing out of each four word poem. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, I'd love repetition in a poem. Someone like Robert Lax, um, he would use like eight words and it would be like a nine page poem and he would just like loop through these things. It'd be interesting to hear him. Have you, did he ever read I've those? never heard yeah. any recordings. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much he, he did read um, publicly, but. I base that on nothing. I mean, we'll, I, we'll have to look it up now. <laughs> as you're saying that, I thought about this one poem that I that I liked, and it made me think about. Um, I think it's like the Timothy the Train Engine or something like that, where he's like, "Is that the one that goes? I think I can. I think I can. The little the, engine that could. Little yeah, engine that could. yeah, that's it. I think I can. Sure. Uh, the Not poem Thomas Finite. the Tank. <laughs> well, I don't know. There's lots of those. <laughs> There's lots of trains children. with a T name to begin yeah. yet. The poem Finite. It's I am thinking. I am countable. Those, I guess, six words, although the I am is repeated, mm. and there it's twice in each stanza, and there's four stanzas, and they're just kind of rearranged each time. So mm. it goes, I, I'm thinking I am countable, I am thinking I am countable, thinking I am countable, and countable I am, I am thinking I, I am thinking I am countable, I am thinking I am countable, thinking I am countable, and countable I am, I am thinking I. And it's that's great, yeah, yeah. I don't really know how to to analyze that particularly well although it looks cool on the page and it sounds kind of cool when you're when you're saying it even in your head or out loud but the meaning changes uh, yeah, depending on does. the placement mm -hmm. Did, is that the one uh, justin million just recently interviewed you for electric city is mm -hmm. that the one he mentioned yep. about syntax i think that was the one yeah, he's yeah. referring to yeah that's the one where uh, the placement of the word changes the meaning uh, somewhat. Yeah, I mean, I, for that one, I started with those, like, the two lines, the two yeah. phrases, and was uh, worked through different variations, trying to turn those two lines into a poem, and this was, I don't know, like, the 15th, and I finally was <laughs> found it more engaging. Like, it seemed to last longer as something that um, 
was engaging or interesting or didn't I didn't like recoil when I flipped to that page in the manuscript anymore. That felt like I know it's good. That's that's how I know it's like it's getting better. Right. It's getting closer to being good. Whatever. (laughs) Maybe by then by a turn or that hmm moment, it's that changing of the word order that makes a new meaning. And it doesn't happen just once necessarily like in that poem. It happens it's a continual Mm -hmm. evolution, I guess, of meaning line to line or stanza to stanza. Mm And it does have momentum. It is. It is. It is. It does yeah, kind like of have train. that. It does feel like that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, it was interesting to hear you read it. Thank you for uh, for doing that. It's. Uh, I haven't totally figured out how to read from the book yet. Um, how many How many times have you? Read? I've only read from the physical book like three times. Now. Okay. Uh, but I've been reading these poems for a while yeah. in different forms. And... Do you read out loud when, you, when you're when you reading over for revision or do you... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some people don't. I always do, but... Some... I did for these, like, yeah. uh, aggressively. Um, the final, like, eight months of getting it ready to submit sort of ran parallel with the final year or so of, of trying to finish grad school. Mm. And it was something in the afternoons I would like pull out the 80 pages or whatever it had swollen to at that point. Because as you can tell from the book, it takes about 10 minutes to read it. Yeah. Maybe less. Yeah, I read it again this morning. Just exactly. To sure I, I could have read it on my drive over here. That would have been unsafe. But <laughs> really? Don't um, read poetry and drive. That's, that's the first lesson yeah. you get in driving school, yes, I think. Yes, I think that's lesson number one. Yeah, that's um, it. But so I, I would read it every day. And okay, I yeah. don't like this anymore and toss it. And it One little word out. goes out, another word. Yeah. Like, yeah, and some days it would just be on the page revision and some days it would be out loud. And, Reminds me a bit of what you said earlier about how when people first see really short poems or sparse poetry, they question like it's 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 almost more difficult because it it, it resists. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to look at it, you know, several times. And when you do look at it more and more times, the 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 meaning changes, and you're getting different things out of it. Um, so yeah, sometimes like I I I think that okay, if it's a short work or short piece of writing, it's going to make people want to read it more and it's easier but i think sometimes it's it can also be the opposite of Mm -hmm. you have to be invested like you said to actually kind of study it or think about it or or let it kind of sift um in order to to engage with it well and i mean you talked about imagism in the question and i when i would teach i would show this is just to say or the red wheelbarrow to my students right and then i would say here are the rules of imagism those three rules and like bizarrely those are totally impenetrable those rules right like they're not helpful they're not all that clear i don't i don't even remember any rules (laughs) i've forgotten and my students like those don't help us those aren't helping us like enter into these poems or engage Uh, only as many words as necessary is one of them Okay, I've already failed that many times I over. I think using an image <laughs> might be something. Like yeah, an image is a rule of images. Yeah, okay, I don't well. have them like sharp in my brain. No, no, no. we'll have to look them up. Now we failure, have to look them all but, up again. But my memory is always, I thought I thought they would like help like clarify the stuff. They never did. No. Um, and so I found it more effective with my students. Just like put the poem up. Let's sit with it. Let's work with the poem let's, itself. Yeah, let's have yeah. a conversation with whatever is on the page and it's jumping out for them more than trying to like yeah. prescribe like this is the way you should understand it that's it when i studied french literature the the profs used to say le text mem it had to be something within the text you know they sort of mm-hmm. forced us not to go outside the text which which helps yeah. a lot with that kind of thinking as well i love all the stuff outside the text me too i, like, I, I, I don't buy into that, that but... now but you know when you're first learning to drive you have to stay on the road and then you can go off the road and, yeah. i don't know why i don't drive what am i making all these driving i don't know if you should be going off the road 
depending on where you're well, driving see, either. Already, already breaking the rules. Any of... student drivers should not be. See, I've always <laughs> been a, a student driver, sentence. man. That's that's uh, that's it. The, the, always going off road. The first prescription for poetry I got was I think a teacher in high school, was like grade eleven or ten. And she read some of my poems and said I wasn't writing poetry because I was using punctuation. You bad thing. I know. For years, <laughs> I just I took that to heart for years, and I I thought that was probably not very helpful. Tossed it. Yeah, I love yeah. those advice. That and write what you know. Yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> All right. You wanted to ask your uh, question, Amanda. All right. I have a question. It's All called right. number three now. Okay. Okay. I have been a Cameron NC collector for more than a decade now with chapbooks published by Inwards, St. Andrew's Books, which is your self-published imprint, Above Ground Press, the Emergency Response Unit, Puddles of Sky, and Baseline Press. And one of the things I've noticed is that you tend to engage directly with poetic influences. Uh, so like there'll be uh, sometimes a mention of a, of a poet or a line mm -hmm. or, or, or a word from, a, from, a, from another poet's work. Always credited usually. I haven't seen anything play, <laughs> plagiarized, but I don't have them all memorized. So I don't know. But can you talk about influences such as Phyllis Webb, for instance, on Book of Annotations, but starting from at least the, what I have is a, a typo in there, Staircases. Uh, which was inwards, I think, 2008. Sounds about right. And then Nelson Ball, for instance, and John Thompson, for example, or you could talk about others. I, anything you like, basically. <laughs> sure. We're pretty free here. Yeah, uh, sure. Well, I'll start with Phyllis Webb. Yes. Uh, 2008. Um, yeah, that I, I think probably I wouldn't be horrified by that chapbook. Yeah, there you go. Again. But I haven't opened it for a while. Um, that was produced uh, instead of a final essay. For yeah. a course that Rob Winger taught on right. Canadian long poems, cool. and that was the first place. I'm holding it up. There it is. That was the first place I ever saw Phyllis Webb's naked poems. Yeah, and it just okay. like knocked me off my feet. I couldn't believe the poetry. I couldn't believe that you could have a book that was only forty pages long and had like eight words on each page. Mm -hmm. That was one of those like paradigm shifting mm -hmm. texts for me. Um, which seems silly now, like in hindsight to think like, of, why didn't I realize that you could do that? But it was just sort of the first book that... We're exposed to it, yeah. 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 And it was, I, I, I'm sure that I can trace back 10 years more or less to the day that I like picked that book up. Uh, he ordered from Octopus Books. Shout out to Octopus Books. Yeah, Octopus Books. Uh, so I can, I'm sure I could point to like the day I bought all the course books for that one as like the first step toward this book. That's um, great. A decade ago. A decade ago. Could have also uh, done when you were born or... No, I think I'll stay. <laughs> we yeah. need those two. Yeah. We're not going back that far. The podcast is only so Yeah, long. we don't have that long. Um, so <laughs> the, my earliest memory is, no. Um, but no, so Phyllis Webb, like I, I love yeah. that book deeply. I reread it all the time, not only because it takes about 12 minutes to reread, but because it's just like, I always get something new out of it. Um, and it's funny. I, I think it's sort of funny that my turn to the minimalist really came from a course on long poems. Yeah, it is, kind of funny, it, is right? it is true. Like that was the the part of it that I latched onto more than any of the other texts that we read in that course. Um, and I'm it's easy in hindsight to say like, oh, I always liked fragments and I always liked small bits. Yeah. And I I can look to earlier poems and see that I'm like trying to build something out of those. And it kind of feels now after the fact like I was having to build this like scaffolding around the little thing that I really wanted to mm. write, but I didn't know how to say yet that like I didn't feel like I had permission for that to be the poem. Yeah, no, yes. it's, it, I can understand that about the permission for how, sure. How much do you think is the timing of when you encountered Phyllis Webb that made it such a impactful in your life? Yeah, um, it was exactly the right context and moment. Like I'd been trying to write poems for probably five or six years at that point. Yeah. 
and I've been working with inwards for like a year and a half maybe um so I had enough like stupid young confidence to think like I can <laughs> I can do this you know and then suddenly in that course like week after week it was just like book after book that blew everything apart uh, and that was the first book we read in the course actually that was the earliest that was a start point for his framing it was like 66 to 80 something I really wanted to take that course. I tried to get in, but I never, I never found out because like I, I could have like I was eligible mm. to get in, but I didn't find any. I never heard back about it. So uh, it was, it was I a know. full room. Rob was still, yeah. I shouldn't say still. We should edit that out. Rob was very young, well, right? He wasn't done his PhD yet. He was still well, it was just 10 like years ago. I mean, we've yeah, all gotten older. It's so. true. Rob was ten I'm years younger, now, man, so. uh, and he years. was still like he was a grad student. He was trying to write his dissertation, yeah. which was about John Thompson, Phyllis yes, Webb. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it was this perfect moment of like, I was ready to like receive the book. Mm -hmm. uh, the professor was like so excited and energized and he had a million ideas about the book that he was still working through. So it was like, the, it's great. it's it was only great. one class, right? Like it was three hours on the book, but it was uh, like exciting. It was really energizing. Um, one class can revolutionize your uh, thinking. Though, yeah, like can. I can go back. off can revolutionize your yeah, thinking. Yeah, and I can go back two years before that to Colette Tracy giving a lecture about uh, Souster and, mm -hmm. and all those guys, um, just about publishing. And I thought like, what do you mean? So what are you exciting. talking about? And that has affected you even yeah. now. You're still, you just did yeah, your, yeah. your PhD thesis. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess it's now, what, two years? When uh, a year. Okay. I, I graduated a year ago. I defended like yeah. a year and a half ago. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Still has an effect on your on your. Oh yeah, and that was dumb thinking. luck, right? Like like so much in university, it was just there were seventeen Canadian literature sections, and that was the one that fit in my schedule. And right. Was sitting there for Rob, for Rob Winger, I knew right. Like I'd yeah. been around Carl. That was in my fourth year, and I'd been around the poetry people, and we all knew who Rob was, and it was very obviously a course to take. Like it was a choice. Like everyone yeah. wanted to be in that course. Mm -hmm. um, the other was stupid luck. I've totally ignored your question. No, no. I, I, you, no, I you, you talked about a little bit about naked poems and. Uh, mm -hmm. I also kind of hijacked it by uh, asking a follow-up question. So. We're allowed that. We're allowed to do we anything we want that. here because yeah. we we have no real That's rules. Season three friction between Se the. <laughs> season three friction. Who's asking the questions? That's right. It's a tough game out here. Yeah. But what about what about Nelson Ball? What about? Uh, yeah, Nelson's he's probably the poet I read the most I go yeah. back to the most um I didn't encounter him until after Phyllis Webb mm -hmm. um my first contact with him was not even as thinking about him as a poet it was thinking about him as a bookseller yes. and I was doing my MA research so like a year after the Phyllis Webb uh course um and I reached out to him I'm looking for material about this reading series and I I wonder if you have any weird magazines or books like on your shelves tucked away that I'm never going to find in a library but like yeah. make reference to it and he sent me this huge box full of stuff that's um, great including like all of his books not all of his books like a stack of his books because <laughs> he, um, he had them yeah, and, yeah. and his wife barbara crusoe sent yes. me her journals because they made reference to the things yeah, i was interested I love her in journals. um great. so he became a, a formative influence for me just for that like spirit of generosity that he brought mm -hmm. to, like all of these interactions for um the like bibliographic rigor of his book selling lists um of his collecting um and then the poetry followed in the decades since mm -hmm. um i buy everything of his yeah and ever you've published him as well so. i had the great joy of publishing yeah. two of his chapbooks two. one of which won the bp nickel chapter yes Award. exactly uh i love every new nelson book is like an event to celebrate and we're so like he's done so much in the last couple of years even yeah like he's like he prolific. surpassed his period in the 60s where he published most he's done so much and okay. i i guess i should say too about his stuff from the 60s mm -hmm. 
Oh, I'm tapping the table. Charles is going to be so angry at me. <laughs> um, his books, right? It was a, it was an era before we had like really structured arts funding before prizes had to be 48 pages and whatever, mm -hmm. right? So his books were like eight pages long. Wow. They were like, some had like three poems and they counted as books. Yeah. Because that's just what you called a book. And so there was a lot of freedom for me in encountering these things where, oh, like the object can perfectly fit the work instead of trying to like cobble right. 90 pages together to make a book, right? right? Yeah. Like if it's correct with 13 pages and that's like what it should be. That's good. So that was, uh, that influenced me as like a writer and as trying to do my own publishing, but then publishing others with Apartment 9. Right. And I guess in this book, not so much maybe, but John Thompson has also been an influence for you in your... Uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever figured out how to like work yeah. through Thompson's influence. Yeah. Um, I love Still Jack. I love At the Edge of the Chopping, mm -hmm. like everyone who encounters. I think 99% of people who encounter those books, like they're astonishing and they're so singular um, in Canadian poetry. And uh, I tried to write a handful of guzzles after yeah. encountering them. Yeah, and I never, yeah, everyone does. I think it's I wrote like 150 of them or oh, something man. like that. Yeah, I, I did loved not write so that many. But not just because of him, but because of other people. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's He's a really rich tradition. Um, but I don't really know what to... Like, I've read some of the criticism, right? Like, I've read Rob's work on it, yeah. Rob Winger, and I've read some of Peter Sanger's work on it. And it's so clearly, like, this perfectly formed book, Still Jack. Um, it's not these random associations. It's not, like... Like, the thing that attracts, I think, young poets to guzzles yeah. is, like... I don't have to make sense anymore. I can have no, a couple and a couple and whatever, right? They're logical leaps. They're logical leaps. They just, it's just sometimes yeah. it Yeah, and it his book has random. this like astonishing yeah. structure to the yeah. 38 pages of it. Um, again, a book, right? Not even 40 pages. Like what a great thing. Um, and I, so I don't know, I don't know how to like qualify his influence on me except to say that like I love the books well, and, well, I, and I return to them and I don't know that I'll ever write a book of guzzles, but <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm happy his book exists and I'm happy all the people um who have taken that book and done something interesting in response to it i'm happy all that work exists too You're right you said something interesting a couple minutes ago about um before like in the 60s before you know contests or whatever writers were free to build the form and to reflect their writing and to fit them rather than trying to fit a, a predefined form do you think that is um currently happening in writing now where people are trying to fit a form the pre-prescribed form more or is it still always in the small press world that hasn't really been been the issue or i think there are distinctions between um small press and micro press maybe maybe yeah. that's helpful okay. here yeah where you, i don't think i don't that for, uh, for <laughs> i like like in really broad terms for the sake of <laughs> yeah, like, yeah yeah for yeah sure. um i like small press i think these days has more of a connotation of like a trade book right okay like it's small presses number. think of them gathered yeah. under like literary press group like there's distribution there's yeah. promotion there's okay. there's tours and offices and um okay. spines right and i think the micro press is more the world more of like spineless folding ones. and stapling and, <laughs> yeah and like okay. like so rubber weird. stamping and like small weirder stuff that's isn't tied up in a bunch of sort of like professionalized networks right okay. um and so when I say form, I, I mean more like a, like the material production and like the modes of distribution and all the social and cultural stuff that that's bound up in. Mm -hmm. So like, like applying for grants, right? Like getting a grant to 
to write a book, but also like if you're a publisher and you get a big grant to publish every year, you have to have however many books in the spring, yeah. however many books in the fall. Right. The print runs have to be conditions. this big. Okay. Um, you need to have distribution of a certain scale. Like, yeah. like there's a whole lot of stuff that like structures how these books are made and distributed. Right. Um, that that just didn't exist in the '60s right. yet. It wasn't professionalized yet. There wasn't like a book trade to speak of in Canada that could, um, that that kind of distribution network could reach out to. Right. Like, the, there were just none of the conditions for it yet, and so. Kocho's made all those weird books. They made boxes. They made standalone things. They made things that were 10 pages long and things that were hundreds of pages long. Mm -hmm. um, no one at the trade level is doing that mm -hmm. these days. Yeah, I don't think so much. Um, I, I think the, the work like that, where it's like for, like adventurous in a material way, mm -hmm. is happening like a level down in terms of professionalism, if that but per, I don't want it like yeah. I don't want the connotation there to be like it's amateurish or whatever. Like no. it's seriously made. It's made right. with serious engagement and intent. And I think it's totally complete and perfect as it is. I don't think it has to strive for this right. like professional thing. But it's I say professional in the sense of there are these like, like an big industry. Yeah, like there's just a, a bigger set of structures. Yeah. And I don't also don't want it to sound like I'm like ripping all that no. stuff, right? Like I just published <laughs> a trade book. I'm so happy it exists. <laughs> It's just that, like, there are differences. Yeah, like, did you have, were there any conditions, uh, like, for you? Like, did you have to hand in so many pages or? or... Yeah, of course. Like, a trade yeah. book in Canada has to be 48 pages. 48, yeah. Right? And you rarely see them that short. I can't no. think of the last one I saw that was that short. My manuscript came in around 80, I think. Yeah. It might have been, it was longer than that when I sent it in, and then it yeah. shrank and grew again. <laughs> um, yeah, like, there's limits like that, for sure. Um I don't know. I mean, I signed a big long contract, and uh, I'm I'm trying to promote the book. Yeah, that's it. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah, you don't. Need, it's yeah with chat books. It's no. Although it's funny. Yeah, I've I've had and I've complained before about uh, um, being given long contracts for chat books, and I won't sign them. <laughs> so I just I I for Angel House Press we have basically like four conditions. They're on the website. If you agree to the conditions, it's even on the website now. You just like it's very straightforward, you know. And, yeah. And what are we gonna do if someone doesn't follow? Sue them? Like, no. We mm. just we we'll just like say, oh well, darn, you know. <laughs> like yeah. That's it. Like it's not the end of the world, yeah. you know. Well, like I have those conversations with yeah. people when they're starting chapbook presses a lot. Yes. And they say, oh, do you have contracts? Do you do royalties? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> and I always say, like, I'm paying for it out of my own pocket. Yeah. It's I don't a do any labor of that. Love. Like I, I email with the authors and we agree to whatever it's mm -hmm. gonna be. Yeah. Um. But I know lots of chapbook presses do go after funding in different ways. Yeah, and I think it. the game changes when you have funding. And Once you, need you have funding, it's different. Yeah. You have to have like, like have accounting, different. right? Yeah, you need it. to account for all of that stuff. You should, yeah. I think, like pay in a different way when that's... Mm -hmm. Anyway, just like it all changes. Yeah. Once money gets yeah. involved, you have to you have to have term fixed terms mm -hmm. that people... But even then, even if like you sign a, a contract with arc magazine and then you 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 publish the poem elsewhere i don't think they're going to sue you they just say oh that was that was too bad you know i mean i really don't think it, it's but it's your word so you know yeah. you want and you want to be you want to be professional and you don't want it but so you know people make mistakes and things but i yeah, mean of course you, i think litigation is very rare in small press <laughs> maybe maybe that i know anyway so maybe that's what one of us could be known for going down the line yeah, I don't want to. I, I, oh, it's I've already, I've already done. I hadn't been involved in lawsuits in my life. I know. Thank yeah. you. Like, you need to act in good faith, exactly. That's it. And I'm also very happy to live in a country where there is arts funding. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Like it's yeah. great. That, I'm so happy when a writer can get 
$8,000 to work on a book over the summer. Like what? Oof, a, that would be good. Right. Like, yeah. like those writer's reserve grants, those 1500 bucks yeah, at yeah. a time. What a perfect. They're so great. It. Yeah. I love that really setup cool. and I want everyone to have them. And uh, it. it's, it's if a we good, could give it's you a grants, good thing. We would do it. <laughs> yeah. Good I point. just, I operate outside of that partly also like as a publisher because I don't want to. No. Yeah. I don't want to write those grant applications. No. I don't want to, like I can sort of stumble along doing it out of my own pocket. That's, That's fine. Charles does our Bywords application now and we mm -hmm. do them together at first. I just, I just review them. But for Angel House Press, we don't, we don't do any of that. It's all mm -hmm. independent. So we pay for everything ourselves and yeah. that that's, I, I prefer it that way. Bywords is fine because that's we have a group of people that help out and with for, with the selection committee and stuff, mm -hmm. and so it makes sense. It's just a different style, and I don't want to do it more though. <laughs> that's yeah. enough. <laughs> one yeah. one project like that is enough. And yeah. of course, the small machine talks doesn't have any kind of funding no. at all. Or, before like, lack of Woolen could always sponsor us. <laughs> right. We're always we're saying that. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, before before we move on to the next question, I just had one one comment about this whole idea of professionalization of, of the arts but I find a very interesting conversation and I think I've thought about it lately and I'm not sure if it's professional versus non-professional as much as it's like I don't know, like capitalism or money oriented mm -hmm, versus mm -hmm. non-money oriented yeah. because I don't know I wouldn't consider myself a uh, professional artist or nor do I really want to be but I I consider myself a serious person who puts puts effort in, into it yeah. as, as well right so but is it I don't know, but but if you say non-professional or, or yeah, it has, it has a, a negative connotation, connotation of like not yeah, taking it seriously, exactly. but it's a choice that I I prefer to do something else for my money making. Yeah, exactly. Because it it takes some of that stress off, that pressure off, that time you put into these things that are not artistic, in order to let you do the artistic thing. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation about if it's yeah, is it professional or not professional? Well, that word's a sticky word, right? It's a sticky yeah. word because it has a few connotations, right. like professional versus amateur. You know, that's not really professional, right. just meaning receiving money for. I mean, there's like in, in the grant right. uh, vocabulary, it's about uh, your professional. You know, if you receive money for your work, basically. Right. That's your. I got that right. Money work. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> not quite your and money I've, for your. And something. I've talked to my friends in. in theater and they have a slightly different definition of, mm -hmm. of those things too yeah 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 so i mean it, again that's a that's one of those one of those dang words that uh, yeah. isn't always solid all right how about we move on to the next question who's um, which one is re are you re four. you doing that one yeah right. i can do it if we can i realize though that now i now believe this is your question although i like it well, so. So if, if you like the question, read the question. So I, I don't There's have any so much tension in season three. There's no ownership here. Once it's, it's on, the once first it's episode of the season, you're setting up all the conflict it. for it's the year. Yeah, that's it. We it's now have to blow up in this the finale. Is pa pa uh, copyrighted and must only be read. No, go yeah. away. Feel free. Change it even if you like. I don't mind. Four poems appear with the title Admissions in Book of Annotations as a kind of anchor in the book. And this is a title to another poem in Regarding Renewal from Above Ground Press 2012. Can you talk about the word, its various meanings in your poems, and why it is important to you? Uh, yeah, that's one of the ones that has survived from a chapbook, sort of, right? Survived, but I guess should be in quotation marks. The <laughs> earliest version of it was like a list poem of 10 or 12 or maybe more. Right. Um, Admissions? In Yeah. <laughs> uh, Which you read with me in August 2012, by the way. Yeah, that see. was one of the above ground we ones. Read, that was in the, the, we launched those at the Mercury Lounge, right? That's right. Or whatever the basement room yeah. is called there. Is it called the Mercury Lounge? Uh, I think it had some other weird name. I didn't I know they had a basement room there at the Mercury Lounge. Yeah, you go downstairs. Yeah. I don't know if it's there anymore. Um, but right. yeah, so it was like, it was a list poem, which when I look back, I used to write a lot of list poems. You did, there it is. 
I still do. Um, <laughs> I think I was, again, trying to figure out how to write like a small poem, right? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I probably had all these lines that I thought this could be a poem. And then I thought, oh, I'm not like gutsy enough yet to say this is a poem. Right. So I would like string them together. Um, so it existed in a few forms in the manuscript as I worked through it over a couple of years. And eventually it like had become much longer and I started chopping it up and, and uh, they were spread out through the manuscript. When mm. I submitted the manuscript, it was just like, it wasn't in sections. It was in a straight. Yeah, I was wondering whatever. about that too, actually. And I'll, I'll talk about, well, we can talk about that after, but it was Rob Winger who structured it and just astonishing what he saw in the book and did. Um, so I had intended the omissions poems as sort of like markers moving through the book and he made that more pronounced, I think, in an effective way. But yeah, admission, it's such a great word, right? Yes. Like, it can mean confession, it can mean like culpability, it can mean you're granted admission somewhere, you're like yep. welcomed in. Entry, or yeah. Entry, or you yeah. admit someone to something, like there's mm-hmm. all, like it just, it plays in all kinds of ways that I feel like are interesting and like emotional and um, like physical and material ways. And so I I think there's some coherence to the, they're each, a th- it's, each is a three line poem, and I hope they're kind of each doing something interesting with that title. And I think each of the four are like a little different. In each of those definitions of admission has the idea of like passage or being granted passage mm-hmm. or almost like a transformation. It makes sense that it's at the beginning of a, mm-hmm. of a section in a book. Yeah, four of the sections begin with. Uh, and it's kind of accumulative of in a way, right? It's because it, it, mm-hmm. it is kind of listy, so it, it does kind of accumulate over yeah. time. Yeah. You can imagine it as one poem, right? Yeah, like it's absolutely. Sort of, uh, it's like a little window into some of the process, I think, of writing the book. Yeah. And I thought, too, I was I was just reading, because uh, we, we'll talk about um, Robin Blazer quote that starts the book but uh, mm-hmm. in a bit, but um, I was also reading, and then I started to get out all my, like I got out Jack Spicer's essay, mm-hmm. and then I was like, okay, I don't have time to do this now. But I noticed <laughs> that there's, he has a, a book called Admonitions, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I have no idea that there's any, I mean, there's not necessarily any connection at all there, but it wasn't conscious, but yeah, yeah I've a read a fair type. bit of Spicer. Yeah. yeah. But actually your, your work does make me want to pull out my Spicer again. Mm-hmm. I do feel like that. I, I, well, the blazer it's yeah, from yeah. an essay yeah, about yeah. Jack about Spicer. Jack, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. it. Well, what were you going to say too about, uh, we're t- you're talking about Rob Winger and, and the oh, sections. You yeah. So I sent him, them. I don't know, 90 pages or whatever, once he was on board as the editor. And he came back with it and he had had like a million comments, like a million insightful, thoughtful, like difficult comments. It was such an in-depth edit. I can't believe how much work he put into each round of editing the book. But he also sent me the separate document and uh, he said, oh, well, these are the kinds of poems you write. And he'd broken it down like you write list poems, you write found poems, you write blah, blah, blah. And he had like 13 of these or something. And he said, you've got seven of these and eight of those and seven of the others. And then he said, so what I think we should do is like... Like it's going to be in five sections and the ratios will be the middle and then one, two, four and five will each have like a representative number of each of these kinds of poems. Very nice. So I think we betrayed it a little bit when we got down to final adjustments. But yeah, like they each have an admissions entry. They each have a found poem. They each have, you know, like. Except one section is all erasure. Yeah, the, doesn't have yeah, yeah, the erasure. Yeah, or, all erasures. Or, yeah, yeah, they're great. I yeah, love those. that was like a standalone sequence in the. But they're erasures in Cameron style. Like they're in your, like you're so like they look like so yeah. much like yeah. a Cameron Anstey poem, even though yeah. they are. I mean, that's where I always fail with erasures because I've tried erasure poetry so much, and is that it, it? It's still not. It just doesn't. It just doesn't cohere in a way that seems different from mm-hmm. theirs and. 
somehow mine. So yeah. you you succeeded in that, I think, with those erasures. I love those. Those are great. Thank you. I don't know what sort of response the book will get. I mean, we all hope you hope you get a review or two, right? Yeah. And if anyone does review the book in like a really in-depth way, I'm curious what they'll do with um, with the erasures. And I don't know what I want them to do with them mm-hmm. exactly. Um, I don't know if you need to like know these poems to read them or if they're interesting just on their own, my erasures, or if they like have different layers depending on your comfort some of them are definitely written in response to the poems that i'm erasing erasuring erasuring that's that's a new word coined by um and some are not at all some are like not interested when i wrote them anyway in whatever my source content was it was just like what can i do to with this that's interesting to me um so i'm curious what the, I, i've really enjoyed reading from those though i think like i'm really proud of that section of the book i think it's it's great and it's it's kind of it's it's a bit different so it's kind of like a not that you need to have a relief from the others but in a way it has a different yeah it does it it changes the feeling of of the poems Mm -hmm. a little bit yeah i don't think it's a well maybe it is but i don't think it's coincidence that it's in the middle of the of the book Mm -hmm. yeah um is there a process you use for where you're placing the words on the page in the erasures and where you're placing the punctuation Uh, so each like if you restored all the words I'd taken out these would all still be exactly where they are yeah so I kept the closing punctuation in each one if it had it okay Um, and I held on to things like semicolons and colons because I thought they were doing something like hey if you can hold on to your colon you should do it yeah (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't hold on to mine so you know there you go um, gutless (laughs) (laughs) so I like I, I enjoyed the I like punctuation on its own, right? Like it's yeah. Like well, do you, like are most you, poets, right? Do you uh, like uh, Derek Bolia, for instance? Yeah, I was for, just thinking of... Uh, well, that. and what was it? Um, Andy Warhol, it's a, a novel. I guess he, it's all yeah, I think the it's punctuation. Yeah, like it's an astonishing It's book. beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. I don't own it for yeah. some reason, which I wonder why, but... Uh, it's You have to order it from Paris. That's probably... Well, that's I, I do it's occasionally... Like a, it's an ordeal Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just but a it's, little... it's worth it. I have friends in Paris who could maybe come and bring me that book, couldn't they? Yeah. I'll just tag them in the on Twitter when I send this... Yeah, no, I we think have friends in that's Paris. an we amazing have Matt Jones amazing is a book. friend in Paris. Oh, there we go. Yeah, we can ask him. To we can all book. ask him to bring the book to us. <laughs> I like the Marianne Moore one, the Marianne Moore ratio you did. It's a bunch of hears yeah. and semicolons. Yeah, that's kind of a Phyllis Webb nod too. That's that's reaching back to naked poems. I think. Oh, yeah, that's why I like it. Maybe now I want to reread Phyllis Webb again. Everyone I, should reread Phyllis. Yeah, and I, also, I don't own. What is it? Peacock Blue? Is that the name of the, the... new? Yeah, the big collective. Yeah, I should have that. Yeah. I don't know why I don't. Mm. Yeah, she's a model of like like a million excellent things, but of like a like a thoughtful career, right? Like, yeah. Like she's very careful when she published, and now you have this collective that is like manageable, like it's a readable size, but it's just like front to back. It's so there you go now he sold yeah. us all on that book we should all if you don't have that peacock blue yet by phyllis webb go to perfect books and order it or octopus <laughs> books or any of those great places and if you're in ottawa and you know other places in your cities where you can those talent collectives are really something yeah i have uh daphne marlatt's uh, yeah they did the first of hers yeah, yeah. and then uh, fred Waugh. yeah i don't have his yeah again it's they're calling it like a volume one so hopefully they can get through the next two, but they're big. They're like, yeah, they are. They're nicely produced. They're doing neat stuff where they're reproducing it like to the degree they can, the like material conditions of the originals. Mm-hmm. Like, like if it was done in a weird colorful way in the seventies, they've like, re- they've just copied it that way instead of typesetting it differently, which causes problems for like the page size, but it's like, it's as close as you can get, I mm-hmm. think to doing that stuff justice. 
and I get naked poems. They treat that well. That's a book that gets destroyed in anthologies. They yeah, just cram all forty pages onto two pages in, in the long poem anthology. And it doesn't work that way. Yeah. It absolutely does not work that way. Yeah, that's right. So it's nice when in her selected and the collected that they give each little section a page. Right. You know. Yeah. Okay. All right. You want to ask the next question? All right. Right. Know? So back. Okay. So now we've already mentioned this, but the opening quote to the book by Robin Blazer is. One needs only to notice how much of it is common experience and also regained rather than invention. And that comes from his essay, The Practice of Outside, I think, from from uh, The Fire, which is his collected essays. And uh, so, yeah, so it's funny when I when I I sort of started to read that essay and, and now I feel like these um, aren't really <laughs> this question isn't really applicable to what he said. But anyway, I'll say it anyway. In, in Book of Annotations, the poems are responses to various stimuli from other people's What's the three doing in there? I don't know. Okay. Maybe you mean section three. Liz. Oh, maybe a poems to overheard yeah. conversations. Okay, maybe that's it. The quote seems apt. And then there is Pound's exhortation to make it new. Okay. Can you talk about the attention of creation as common experience, response, and invention in terms of your book and perhaps in terms of other poetry you've read? Hmm? Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a big question. It's yeah. a huge question. Um, I feel like I resist pound for lots of reasons yeah but I, I've, I've never been totally comfortable with like make it new as like a call to artistic production you know like i sort yeah. of i understand it in like a modernist coming out of the 19th century way mm -hmm. right like there's this sort of rejection of all that in the face of what was happening um in the world but i feel like i have a hard time in the 21st century thinking like make it new is a thing we have to do yeah. With a poem, you know, I like Phyllis Webb. I this is something Rob Winger said in that course ten years ago, and has always stuck with me. He quoted a poem of hers where she says, "The correct response to a poem is another poem." Mm -hmm. And I yeah. and That's I love awesome. sort of like the modesty of that. I love yeah. this. It doesn't have to be an essay. It doesn't have to be some academic thing. It can just be another poem. And by writing a poem in response, you're like keeping the line going. Yeah. But you're not. It's not this like militaristic avant-garde, like we're pushing forward, breaking new ground. It's none of that. It's just like you're part of a tradition and you need to, I think, uh, learn as much as you can about those traditions and you need to engage with them as thoughtfully as you can. Um, you're just trying to like keep the ball up in the air a little while longer, whichever part <laughs> of it you like get, put your hands on, like just try to keep it moving so the next people can come along and, and keep it moving. And that's it. And, and the new can basically just be your own, just the way in which you're working, like, you know, just your own, you're just your own interpretation in some ways. Like, that's what's new is just you. You're the new, right? So that's, that's all it needs to. It doesn't have to be any big, like, a mm -hmm. big uh, macro change or something. And Well, speaking about tradition, there's something I, I struggle with sometimes is the idea that because I am or someone is writing, we're part of a tradition. It seems almost like, like, who am I, am I really part of a tradition? Who am I to be part of this tradition? Like, <laughs> it almost seems like uh, you have to accept yourself as being, I don't know, having uh, some sort of superiority or, you know, some sort of esteem to be in that tradition. Um, so, so I don't know, like, should should we be reading everything in, in, in them? What tradition? Canadian literature, poetry, art, like, yeah. How do we how do we encounter all those things and learn from it and then insert ourselves into it and still be I don't know modest in in that? How could you be anything but modest in that? Because it's so huge. It's like looking at infinity and just sort of feeling I, like you're on the edge of for it. For sure. All. But I mean, in terms of reimagining yourself as part of it, you know, as as an insider in, in that oh, tradition yeah. rather than just someone who's you know doesn't fit in with it. I, I have an easier time with the latter just because I, I, I don't, uh, 
I don't ever feel like I'm fitting in. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I, I don't try. I, do you try to be part of it? Does anyone really try? Isn't that something that people write about? It's like a, a, a criticism thing rather than a, like a, not a critic, but it's critical response to people's work rather than something someone says, I want to be part of a tradition. Like, is there mm -hmm. anyone who, I don't well, know. Yeah. I just think that would be hard. Like, like I, don't, I don't mean tradition in like, like, I don't mean to draw a line through like eight important people. And then like, here's I like, be whatever, right? Nine. Like, <laughs> like, I mean it, I mean it in exactly the way you're describing, like this yeah. big unwieldy, like yeah. massive thing that cuts across. Uh, like national divisions and uh, divisions of like artistic media and socio-cultural stuff, right? And like those traditions, even the ones that we feel like make some sense are like, they exclude a zillion people for exactly, a million ridiculous yeah. reasons. The canon. So it's more that responding to a tradition that makes sense with what you're doing in your writing rather than a particular tradition? Yeah, like everyone builds their own group of people they return to and they they have around them in their like immediate community right and and the books that they're interested in seeking out because books they breed more books and you yeah. find someone and that person leads you to someone else and so everyone has these like lines they're following backward and like like uh parallel with yourself right like we passed around chat books before we started recording this so yes all, like that's, that's we, all we did. included in the same thing that's that was supposed to be secret no <laughs> just kidding it yeah trade secrets yeah. um i did not have a chat book to pass around well i gave you one. you're out of the tradition <laughs> there you go you're cut I you, know, you guys don't want me to start trying to make chat books that is not a skill that i have <laughs> yeah i'm not particularly good at the design part but thankfully i have charles so he oh, there you go. I, yeah, but that's good. Yeah, I, there was a lot of other good things in that essay too uh, about um, poetry being. Um, it was talking about Spicer and the whole idea of dictation, but really mm -hmm. as something that you also said something about how it, dictation. Some people think it just means like it just sort of magically happens, but what Blazer was talking about was that he was using other poets like Blake and mm. and stuff as reference, and he was saying that um, it's the idea of, of things coming from the outside, so influences other mm -hmm. than just just the poet's own thoughts or yeah. beliefs and stuff like that. So that was interesting in connection with this book, especially because it is, as we were talking about, like it, things definitely come from outside. Like, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, it's a book yeah. that's really- It breathes. Maybe self-consciously uh, calling out like peers and um, influences and, it's a and, response. Tra and traditions. Yeah, it's, it's totally a book of responses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and that happens to be like a mode of writing that I like, yeah. right? Like it's a mode that I like to encounter mm -hmm. and it, it's not a mode for everyone. I don't like, I, I don't want to jump ahead on any of the questions here. Well, it's okay. Can. I already right. actually asked question eight. I snuck it in there when we we're talking about something. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, the, one of the questions on here that it feels like we're already talking about the, like dedications and quotes yes. and, poems and yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Um, it grounds me like it's an acknowledgement that follows from that blazer quote right like mm -hmm. like i don't want i hope no one picks this up like uh, i don't know i guess i'm <laughs> self-conscious talking about this stuff i don't think that this book like sprang from me in some like no. mystical way like it's like a thing that i wrote in response to lots of other things and you're a big you re you've been reading a lot and studying a lot and listening a lot yeah and, and being present in the, a lot yeah yeah and i like i like work that that speaks um, to like, a context. Or? Yeah, like that that makes plain its own kind of context in those ways. What do you th What do you think that does to the reader in the poem who obviously has not had the exact same 
you know, contextual experiences yeah. that, that if you've had. That and that's another thing that I do feel conscious about. Like some some of my very kind coworkers bought the book. Oh. And they're not um in this world, right? Like they're very far removed from it. Sure. Right. And they had really like interesting, considered like responses yeah, to it, which was, made me so happy. And I was hoping that it would be a book that I hope it's like a readable book. I hope yeah, you don't have to alone. have like yeah, yeah. some deep education in 20th century minimalist poetics right. to like to respond to the book. But I also do think that if you're a person that happens to have that, there are things in here that mm -hmm. you'll like recognize or that will. It's, it's more that it'll add something rather than be necess necessity in order to get anything. Yeah, I don't think it's a necessity. Exactly. But like all works of art, like if you know, if you have more background or more knowledge of a tradition, then like your, your encounter with the book is different. Right. But like my encounter with Phyllis Webb 10 years ago came without the context right. of like exactly. any of what she was responding to. It was just the book on its own and it was still like an effective Powerful. experience for me. And so I hope the book does that. Um, some of the things in here are just like, like we all do this. Like there's things for friends, you know, yeah. there's things for my partner. Um, there's things for other specific poets uh, and they'll they'll pick up on those and other people won't necessarily. I don't worry that the dedications will like put people off. No. <laughs> um, but that, I don't know, I like that stuff. You noticed uh, before you came that um, you have a dedication at almost the beginning of all of, maybe the beginning of all of your, your books to your partner. I think is that, so, Is that yeah. true? Yeah. Yeah, I we think so. Yeah, well, we, we looked through a few of them. We didn't check all. <laughs> yeah. I, it's a pedantic yeah. checking. No, I think, I think all of them. It's lovely. Yeah. 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 That is kind of lovely, actually. It is. It's, it's a consistency to it. It feels like even if someone, you know, isn't in your community, in your life, everyone sort of, most people can sort of relate to that, you know, a significant other feeling, right? And it's having that addressing it if, if someone was to read your work over uh, you know the 10-year period and see that constant address it feels like you know they they is a different relationship with with your poems mm, absolutely and like my partner she's not uh part of the poetry world in like a creative way she doesn't write um but she comes to a lot of events with me and over the last 15 years that I've been trying to write poems, she's been like the most supportive and encouraging yeah. person in my life. She didn't throw you out for writing poems. She didn't throw me out for That them. happens to some people. She's read a lot of, <laughs> of my poems, for better or worse. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's the sort of thing, it's the sort of practice that combined with making chapbooks, mm -hmm. like it takes up time and space. And yeah. the person that you're with has with to, you. she's always there. You guys are both there. She comes to readings, we yeah. travel for it. Um, and a lot of our very like best friends are in this yeah. this world so it's like a nice social community like that but it also is just something that takes up space in my life and so by extension right. in her life and it's uh it's something that i think all artists need to acknowledge if they have like a, yes. a person in their life Agreed. or people in their life and yeah. is not to be taken lightly um <laughs> and so there are there are poems in the book that are love poems for her mm -hmm. um there's other things in the book that probably only she would like notice mm -hmm. um but yeah, I mean, it's the book I don't think can be separated from my life and my life is not separated, can't be separated from from her. So she's in there every time. Excellent. <laughs> no, very nice. Let's leave. Let's go to the next question. And leave what, that. what number are we on? I think on, on he answered up. number six already. Uh, right. Well, and I, I snuck in a, one of the parts of that question as we're just chatting. Uh, so we're at number seven, which oh, is your question. It's me. OK, yeah. Oh, this it's is you. this is. Yeah, because we. OK, yeah. OK, so. Oh, uh, yes, your poetry also engages. This is a different topic now. 
It engages a lot with materiality and with text itself, the alphabet, letters, prints, lines, angles, symmetry. I love the symmetry stuff, especially geometry. And you recently presented a paper at Canada Concrete, which I was at and enjoyed mm -hmm. quite a bit, in which you discussed Barbara Caruso's Press, Press, Press and talked about the printed form. For mm. Apartment 9 Press, which will have its 10th anniversary next year. Is that right? Am I correct? Yeah, next well? uh, August, like a year and a bit from now. Excellent. 10 years. So you create beautiful hand-sewn bound books, chapbooks. You also own a letterpress. I love how these are really questions and they, I go on for so long. Okay. This is that expanded bio. That <laughs> yeah, I'm really. Like, it's just continuing. Okay, just me talking. As much as I can talk, I prefer. Okay, Maybe I'll, you get Amanda to write your bio at some point. Sure. Oh, no, yeah. you don't. No, no, no. <laughs> this is always a mistake. My latest bio says really weird things. Okay, can you talk about where this interest in the physical might come from and why you chose to do this for Apartment 9 Press? I thought we could talk about Apartment 9 Press a little bit. Sure. Um, Award-winning press. Yeah, Award-winning <sighs> press times a few. My favorite bio in Canadian poetry, for a few years, Dave O'Mara used, it just said he tends bar in Ottawa. That was it. Just yes. And he'd already published bio. a couple of books. He was already very important. And it just said he tends bar in Ottawa. Yeah, really. That was perfect. Even the word tend is nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need to strip mine down. It's still, it's too big. But I thought first book, I need to like say who I am, right? Yeah. One of Ann Carson's bios for one of my favorite books of hers just says she lives in Toronto. <laughs> love it. Yeah. That's all you need, right? Um, sure, I love uh, the physical. Mm -hmm. I love books as objects. Um, my graduate work was all about um, small press communities, but about the ways that like books navigate the world as objects, how they're written and published and distributed and collected and preserved and like re-encountered 30 years later and yeah and who are all the people that go into like the survival of this thing as as something that can be encountered and encountered again and again and um i'm i'm drawn to like design to carefully mm -hmm. produce things to nice publishing um as an object which isn't to say beautiful necessarily no, right like just... the object needs to suit the work um, and that can mean a perfect book or it can mean a weird little folded shape or whatever like it, it can mean all kinds of different things um with apartment nine i had for a couple of years been working with inwards at carlton and there we used the print shop at carlton for a while and then we used a risograph for a while late night in the risograph room <laughs> that sounds like a, the name of a chapbook or something <laughs> yeah yeah somehow we got a key for that room and would like yeah. 11 o'clock and i'd be in there uh running things off and it would break down it was uh, but it was great i loved it <laughs> um and so by the time i was done with my my time at inwards i still wanted to be like making things by hand but i also wanted to like, like challenge what i was doing right like i felt like I knew what I was doing in words and I wanted to feel like I didn't know what I was doing again. Um, so I started playing more with like, what could I do in a tactile way that would, that would like engage me. So I was tearing paper and I was hand stitching, not just stapling anymore. And um, I've tried to keep that interest up for me mm -hmm. when I make the chat books. Um, I think sometimes I settle into like a pattern for a while and then I have to like get myself out of that pattern and try something new. Um, so I've, I've, I've published books in lots of different ways with Apartment 9. I, yes. I have that letterpress now, which for the very first time was used uh, for the band, yes. the title band on Alicia Rubishaw's Too Much Nothing. Very A chapbook I'm very proud to have published. It looks beautiful. It's really gorgeous. It's already leading you into the way, mm -hmm. the pressure of the yeah. weight of the title. That was that all the credit weight. there to my partner we were just talking about. I was at a loss for how to do like the band. I don't know what to do with it. And she said, do it on the press, but with no ink. 
So we ran some tests and it like it looked amazing. Beautifully. Yeah. This blind stamping process and blind uh, stamping. Yeah, I even like the that's that. apparently the the term. For wow. What we did. She did all the stamping actually. I did like three of them and she did the other seventy seven. Oh my gosh. Well, I folded like a chump, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, like I'm just I'm really I'm fascinated by that work and it's work that I find uh, like sort of meditative. Like I like threading the needle and stitching and folding. I like working through the steps over like a month or two of like building the object yeah. when it becomes a book it, it feels really neat. it's like the you feel like you're witnessing the birth of the book as it mm -hmm. you go through that process yeah so it's neat and i'm really drawn like we talked about that difference between small and micro press and in the micro press i'm really drawn to something where you can see like the maker in it in some mm -hmm. form like i want to see evidence that it was yeah. made by a, a human not like an assembly line um and so I try to produce work that looks that way, um, but I also am drawn to people that do work that way in all yeah. kinds of different forms. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. The other thing, yeah. while we're while we're on the subject of design, I was I was noticing that uh, the cover and the actual um, interior designs by Megan Fields. Yeah, I think Fields is how you say Fields? it. But okay. my apologies, Megan, if yeah, I I'm sorry. we've only corresponded by email. You That's know, when it, you, you know someone's name in print, yeah. but you don't know it. Yeah, and they, yeah. and it reminds me a little bit of of uh, like it's got the kind of geometric. Uh, shapes that remind like it sort of reminds me a bit of Barbara Crusoe's work mm -hmm. a little bit it's were you yeah. how much uh, input did you have into the design uh, Megan was very patient with me okay oh, yeah. <laughs> they have uh, I don't know I think this is their standard way she sends out a questionnaire to the writers okay. Megan and says what do you like in a book design what do you think are the important themes in your book were you able to um, keep it short because like, oh like, I sent her woo. like pages it was <laughs> I felt I was so apologetic sending it back but also like I care about these things mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. And we were supposed to send, like, show me some covers you like recently. And that's why I sent her back, like, <laughs> so much work. And she came back with these options, and I loved them all. Like, I was so happy with the, I think, four that I got. Uh, but this was the first one in the file, and it was like the, I loved it instantly. Uh, yeah. I love the way that the word annotations is cut. Like, yeah. it's annotations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had a few people not know what the book was called oh, <laughs> I was like, well, that's... anyway i i love it i have like nothing would have made me happier about it like it, i think it's so beautiful uh the interior as well she had to solve like you wouldn't think about it with how short the poems are but there were a little like there were problems she had to solve in the layout and she solved You've got them some spacing issues sometimes like a nelson ball with Issa, like some of the erasure ones especially yeah you know, and some of the some things that ran precise. onto two pages like she had to figure out what to do with dissertation for mm -hmm. example like yeah it, and we went through options like she showed me different things and um her and, and lee nash who's a publisher um did like such a careful job on it i couldn't be happier with that's great uh, well it's a lovely book it is a lovely book. Is. Everyone it like... doesn't smell either. You know how some books <laughs> have a smell. Okay, I'll put that on the back of the next book. It doesn't stick. Doesn't smell. Man, Earl, his first book didn't smell. Um, I do smell books. I, I think Invisible has like a really like, and it, all their books yeah. have been designed by Megan, and okay. they have like I think a really recognizable house yeah, style, and yeah. but they still all manage, to my mind, to like look like their authors. Like I yeah. feel like this looks exactly like I could have dreamed a first book for me would look. But it launched alongside Eric Schmaltz's Surfaces, yes, which is which this I other like book. astonishing book. Yeah, and it's, it's totally different. But it looks like an invisible book, but it also feels just right for Eric. And I, I think that she's found that uh, balance, and Lee like ushers it all beautifully. And if she can please you, that's doing that's a, a good compliment. To <laughs> you. You're difficult. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, I, like I think that that Lee and Megan are both very like 
they're particular yeah and they right. know what they know what they want you know from lee's chapel publishing with the emergency response unit yes like i love the emergency response unit yeah it's great um so yeah shout out to megan if you need any like freelance design work look up megan all right there yeah. you go we, we, we'll see if we can find her on twitter or something and we'll we'll tag mm -hmm. her if not we'll just tag invisible publishing and mm -hmm. we could all right have another question i have one more and then or, you can ask your one more and then do i have one more you have one more well let's, we'll get to that after my one more i don't know where my oh, i'll, yeah, I'll point it to you point it out okay to you like. <laughs> uh so cameron as he takes a sip i like how you say his parents. name <laughs> <laughs> it's like who else would you be talking to no it's for it the was, audience too. well it was also to find my place on the i was buying myself uh, seamless. i don't think anyone's noticed that no <laughs> this happened well, one of the first things readers will likely notice about your work is how sparse it is which we've talked about at length mm -hmm. often with whole poems composed of one thought or image or one word lines and you've talked about oh, this yeah. a little bit more or before but maybe just expand a little more if you can uh, what interests you about this style and how did you, we talked about the timing of when it when mm -hmm. when you started writing like this in, in 2008 or so uh but what do you why do you think or how did you get into it did you and did you work with seymour main at u of o at all and because he wrote word sonnets and there's some of these that are not necessarily word sonnets but they're one word per per line type of a situation mm -hmm. um okay there there's some half-formed questions for you to deal with there's a lot there to work with um well i'll start with the simplest one i never worked with seymour main uh in a writing context right. i should say um i did take a course with him during my grad studies oddly about long poems again he, he teaches that a lot a canadian long poems course um and i did help him uh organize some events over my like during my time there but i never was in one of his classes and um i don't think i ever really like showed him much um, but he was always very kind and supportive yep. to me. He's given me lots of books and yep. chapbooks. He gave me a stack of the first ten years of Bywords. Yes, yeah, I have, I have loved which it. Which I feel like it's like a brick. It is a brick. First. We have, we have it very carefully. Uh, we have it archived in our storage closet here on in, at the headquarters. Headquarters, yeah, Angel House Press at the yeah. Small Machine Talks. Um, <laughs> and like, I mean, that's a, like a neat archive. The first ten yep. years, right? Because yep. it had the event calendar in the middle. Yeah. So it's like a decade of poetry readings in Ottawa, but just listed. Yeah, yeah, it is, and also his, uh, also the stapler is the Byward stapler comes the long stapler mm -hmm. comes from Seymour. He cool. gave that to me. So very cool. <laughs> so I can't count Seymour as like a direct influence in those ways. Um, yeah, so certainly Phil's Web, which we talked about, I won't go into more. Um, I think I was always trying to write small poems and figuring out how to do that. It took a long time to figure out how to do that for me. Um, but I was always drawn, like if you open a book and it's a, like a normal kind of trade book, there's 80 pages and there might be one or two that are short, right? right? And so I would Completely. gravitate to those partly because I was already drawn to that form, but I always would sort of think like if they can do something interesting in two or three lines, like, okay, well then I'll turn to the 40 line poem or whatever. Like what do they okay. do like with a really small set of tools? And then like that, that always felt sort of revealing to me in a, in the large book, right? Like what the mm -hmm. small one was. It's a very vulnerable position to be in, to be, it yeah. is naked. It is. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, small. So I was drawn to that, but I always felt sort of frustrated that there would just be like one or two of these in a book, right? Like I wanted like, give me 60 of them. Like give me like <laughs> a lot of these. I want to really sit with them. Yeah. Um, so that you start to find people doing that, like, like finding Mark Truscott's uh, said yeah. like reads or things. Yes. That was a, like a formative one for me because it, 
because of the work, but also because it was contemporary. Like, I don't know what that was, 2003? Yeah. 2005, like somewhere that. in there. Yeah. Where did he, I remember hearing him read in a space that we no longer have readings in now and thinking it was, it was but I remember encountering his work and being mm -hmm. really excited by that. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, oh, yeah. like, you, and his poems too, I don't want to get like, I don't know how to describe his work exactly, but it's not always like sensical. Does that make sense? Sensical. Like, like he likes. That doesn't make sense. That's the like, second he, word he's coined today. Like he likes, ratio to now sensical. He likes leaps in a sort yes. of a gazalic kind of way. Yeah. Um, but the, like he's just sort of enamored with in that first book anyway with like the sounds of like two or three words in a row. And I, like I was really drawn to that. And mm -hmm. how do you sustain a reader's momentum over fifty or sixty pages doing that? Right? If you can yeah. flip through it in six minutes, why would you ever go back to it? Or right. um, if you just like keep turning, you know, like I wanted to find books that would like stop you on every page. That mm -hmm. interested me. So like Suzanne Campton Vangsa, yes. finding uh, small arguments writer. for the first time was one of those. Um, my dad, uh, Rod Anstey. Uh, huge book collection and very, very well read in 20th century, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Um, would feed me books, really like carefully selected books. Isn't that great? That's great. Uh, like I remember him showing me collected Ted Berrigan. That was like a birthday present one year um, when I was at university. I don't know what year, but I don't even think I'd, I might've just started in Within Words or it might've been before that. Cause I feel like the first poem I ever sent them like just as a student was because I've been reading like Ted Berrigan for six months. Mm. So it was probably like second year dad gave me that. Uh, he gave me complete minimal poems, Aram Zorayan, mm. when I think he clued in about the direction I was going. <laughs> uh, and that book, like I read that book every couple months because it's another one. It's, you know, two inches thick and you can read it in 21 minutes faster maybe if you want. Uh, and those were like a word on a page, right? Like just like the barest barest minimum uh and i love that book and so you know those poets lead to other poets and it, you go down that road but once i started seeing people that would do that you could have an entire book or a whole set of books that were just small that that set me off going nelson curry mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of people do you think that minimalist poems and minimalist books like lend themselves well to social media or to these oh, forms or these ways that we're connecting with very short sentences or very short pieces of communication or is that space uh an, an integral aspect of of the, of the minimalist poem i think it depends i think it um like like ruby car right yeah. so you the, could be an the, the most instagram i don't i don't see mine <laughs> connecting that way it doesn't but, work that well for the spacing either right unless you just take photographs of it and Ooh. Yeah. But like what I part of what I think is really interesting about Ruby Carr, and there's lots that's interesting yep. about her, and I think that she gets written off by a lot of oh, like know. literary types in yeah. a Yeah, you know, for sure. For lots of unreasonable reasons. But her work is like native to Instagram, right? Like it's mm -hmm. conceived of for that medium. It's a form. Yeah, it's, it's a form. The, yeah. And I don't strength. I don't really think of my work that way, right? And I don't know that it would translate that way. Like I think of mine on a page. Mm -hmm. Um, and a page brings a different set of constraints. Like Invisible, for example, this is the shape and size of their poetry book, hmm. period. Eric's is like a little bit bigger. And I think that was it's like- a little a, thinner, I think. Yeah, yeah I think. Um, because it was suited to the work, but most of their poetry books are exactly this size. And mm -hmm. so that just happens to be like beautifully suited to the yeah. size of poems that I'm writing. Um, 
but there are implications to the page like like we were talking about with phyllis webb right like you find naked poems crammed in close versus given space on a big page right? yeah it's so so different um aram Sarayan, who we're talking about his work in the 60s that was one word or like a misspelled word mm-hmm. like light right his l-i-g-h-g-h-t yeah. he won 500 bucks for that for Great. from he was in a national anthology and he was given an award and then in congress they were furious that he'd been given 500 dollars <laughs> to misspell a word <laughs> it was like a national scandal this my poem. kid can do that <laughs> and to this day once in a while someone finds it and gets like furious <laughs> like that this poem exists you know and i think that's so like that's ast- great <laughs> it's astounding that this like one little tiny thing can like prompt that force of reaction i sh- i would show that one to my students again and the, like some would get it and love it and some yeah. wouldn't get it and hate it <laughs> but it's neat that a small poem gives you room for a response like that that doesn't yeah. have to you don't have to know how to like parse iambic pentameter or mm-hmm. like read 47 lines and like yeah. like it the, so, something about the small like permits uh, like a response um <laughs> in a different way that i find really captivating um i don't know how i got down that road Oh, I think you answered the Veered away from however we started. We encourage veering yeah. here. Yeah. We like the veer. But like Soroyan's light poem, like that was so rooted in like a 60s youth culture too. Yeah. It was like radio and television and like rock and roll. Like it, like, like you can read him uh, talking about that poem. Um, and it was of its moment in a way that like Instagram is of its moment today. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's there's the same vehement like uh, response to, to some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Would so you like to ask your last question? Mine is, your, is that nine? Number nine? Is it that the is. one? It why, is. The, why have we done... changed nine? Well, because we, we asked some questions that we were naturally sort of going yes, to. Yes, I understood. And then we just, mm-hmm. yeah, so. I'm just this trying is where to, we have ended up. I'm just trying to follow Aaron's playbook here. I know that's all. I know. Okay, number nine, which is the last question, I think. It is the last question. Nine of ten. Nine of <laughs> The original seven, right? The original, the original seven. seven. All right. I'm so good at math. Oh, so you are concerned with, what is this word? Posterity. Oh, posterity. Okay. And history, collecting and writing about contact press in your PhD thesis, for example. But you're also interested in ephemera, making small prints, small print apparently, prints of broadsides and chapbooks for reading, such as she may be weary, wary, I don't know how to pronounce it. Okay. Published in an unnumbered edition of 30 copies for reading at Blue Mondays at Cafe Nostalgic in 2011. Oh, that's why I have a copy of that. Well, that's it. Because you were running Blue Mondays, <laughs> you and Sean at the time. Why would I have bought this? <laughs> what the hell is this for? <laughs> no. Okay. So what interests you about ephemera? And can you talk about some of the ephemeral works of others in your library? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love, uh, I like ephemeral book objects that are like produced for an occasion mm-hmm. right like i like a little handout for reading or yes. a book that's made for reading and you always opt like i would make 30 and then like sell like three of them yeah i have another one here that on I really a good love. day right and then like, 100 additional frightening things i yeah. love this little this yeah is great i tried to find a way to get that a version of that into the book and it just never worked it never became a good enough poem this is, i have a signed copy from the 10th of august 2013 raw sugar okay there you go um, oh, you've had to hand write your your uh, dedication to Jen in there. Whoopsies. <laughs> Timelines, tight deadlines. I didn't have a chance to proofread it. Um, what was I saying? Ephemera. Ephemera. It's yeah, I, like I, I think it's. I there's a tension in me as like a book person. I love collecting, right? Like mm-hmm. I want like for the people that I really love, I want like everything. Um, and ephemera flies in the face of that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But, mm-hmm. And I love to produce ephemera. 
but I also want there to be like these complete archives and ephemera makes that impossible in a in a centralized way. I think mm -hmm. that like the great small press archive is like the one that's distributed across the country in everyone's apartment, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so even though there was only six of something made, if I really wanted to see it, I could probably find someone in Canada with it who would let me see it, right? And I've had lots of people share books with me that way. And yeah. I try to extend that when I have the ability to do so, try to pass it forward. Um, I have some good stuff. I have some totally good stuff. Such a, are you willing uh, to tell us? Probably the like most treasured. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. One of the most treasured is a broadside of Nelson's yeah, uh, called Tracks. And it's the um, words on this white page, bird tracks on hard snow. It's the poem. But it was it's from 89 or 90, and it's just mm. before he starts publishing again. And he hand-stamped these with Barbara's big letters. They're, mm. like, they're each like two yeah. inches tall on a big sheet. And he made 10 of them and just, you know distributed them um so i was able to get my hands on one of those from curry I always reach out to small press booksellers yes. people that's it jw curry room 302 yeah. books so that's one that i'm really happy about because it's a great poem and it's a beautiful object and it's one that he stamped right like that's why ephemera is great because like the person yeah. made it and it's right there in the in the work yeah like every like wobbly letters because like he didn't put it down mm -hmm. perfectly straight and that's i think part of the poem in that case but it holds for other kinds of ephemera right yeah that's a good one um you talked about barbara crusoe her press 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 yeah that's another one where she would make 10 or 20 or like i think 40 is where she yeah. maxed out and they're all little tiny books hand stamped and she shared them mostly with people that she knew right? yeah they Friends were they were distributed as like yeah, a gift like economic kind of gesture i like doing that that's one of my things i like to do yeah. i do 26 copies when i make things usually mm. no more and yeah. and sometimes I make only one of like I just did this book of whimsy project where I made there twenty six different uh, um, book objects and mm -hmm. uh, like I mm. just gave one yeah. to Cameron and it's it's in an incense tube so things yeah. like that. That looks so, cool. Volume yeah. one. Because <laughs> maybe I'll do more <laughs> in yeah. the future. Well, that's twenty six of, of twenty six. So there yeah. you go, you're getting the last. Perfect. Last, yeah, I loved and I thought you would like that because it's 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 an, a piece of ephemera and then, you know, exactly. sometimes at the small press fair when you use mm -hmm. the table has something like that on it. You, you I can't wait to open it. Yeah, like I'm always drawn to that stuff. Yeah, um, it's fun. I like ephemera because it I feel like it teaches us to let go of, of things or wanting to hold sure. on to things. Yeah. 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 It's kind of an, an almost like a less materialistic or consumerist Material. kind of uh, mm -hmm. way of thinking. Because yeah. I mean, I, for this book of whimsy project, uh, some of them are even not that one, but some of them are written in pencil. So that's mm -hmm. the only the or or yeah. I've done watercolors like, and I haven't hung on, I haven't scanned them, I haven't done anything. I may have taken a photo of the whole thing, mm -hmm. but I haven't. So some people just have, and they have. I don't have it even, and I'm giving away all twenty six. I'm yeah. not even keeping one for myself yeah. this time. So yeah, I I love. I don't know. There's something and getting that from someone is really mm -hmm. neat. Like something just yeah. the one. It's personal, item. and I feel like now more than well, I don't know more than ever, but I feel like it's important right now as yeah. a. Because I think as a as a tension for 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 all of us in our careers or, or artistic practices to to put things out there that can be seen broadly into in something that we can distribute widely. But when we have that ephemera that we're, or those small little things that we're distributing, it, it makes it that much more. I don't know, like more of a connection with with the person. It's, an it's, it's kind of an intimacy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's it's different from sort of um, social media where. The word is going out everywhere, but then who's reading it? In some ways, like mm -hmm. like no one's really reading it. So, so you know, hopefully people are when they when they have just one. Yeah, exactly. One thing. I think one of the great underappreciated 
poetic projects in Canada these days mm-hmm. is uh, like Disclosure, my friend Justin Million. Mm-hmm. Uh, his keyboards project yeah. in mm-hmm. Peterborough for the last few yep. years. Very he cool. once a month sits in a bar with a keyboard, a typewriter, mm-hmm. uh, and writes poems in response to whatever's happening around him. And then he dings a bell and he reads the poem into the microphone one time and, and then it puts it yeah. on a table and people take it away at the end of the night. I know. I love that. I love when he was, he came and read, read here in Ottawa and it was, it was uh, at the factory reading series. Was it last year or the uh, previous spring or something? Yeah, it was one of the pre-fair readings, I think. He yes. read from like the few yeah. leftovers he has that yeah. people didn't take. And it was really fun. It was it was a really whimsical and uh, kind of, yeah, it was a personal feeling, the whole experience. And so yeah. he's a, I think he's announced recently that he's nearing 500 poems in this project. Wow. And then he's going to stop when he hits 500. But what will he do next? We don't know. But like <laughs> imagine any, first of all, any poet in Canada writing 500 poems in the yeah, last, it's, it's I don't know, lot. five years. That's probably longer than he's been at it. And then to have 95 percent of them gone mm-hmm. one copy was made he doesn't have them anymore he can't obsess over them and no. try to make like a 60 page book out of that they're just distributed they're just yeah. and yeah. primarily to people that aren't poetry people right because yeah. it's they're taking people yeah. take them home they might be on a fridge they might get crumpled up and thrown away yeah. they might save them in a book like who knows and i have a few of these that i like yeah, my neurotic completest nature i'm like guarding <laughs> you're gonna them, make right? sure you have them yeah but it's like it's such a lesson and just like let it like you say there's the generosity to it but just letting go just Mm -hmm. like like the perform the the practice for him is just the writing and then the distributing it's not like striving toward this thing right i'm touching the book it's not trying to make a book out of that it's not this careerist kind of thing it's just he's finding a way that's like productive for him to write and that's out in the world and it's like beautifully generous in that way makes me think of just like conversations and sometimes we'll be talking to someone and you know you a line well, someone will say a line you'll have a line and it's just like oh that's a good you know a poetry line or something yeah, yeah. but at the same time it's like well Let it go. here it is in the real world interacting with someone yeah. and we're having that experience with each mm-hmm. other and isn't this better that it has had this <laughs> this actual you know real world application or meaning rather than trying to to i don't know hold all of them and that's and then, it yeah. hoard them exactly and hoard them yeah. my precious yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's it yeah, there you go. On this podcast, however, it's not ephemeral because you can listen to it now once we post it and then you can listen to it again anytime. I guess, yeah, I guess we're done. Are we? Is that sort of a finishing <laughs> kind of statement? This is a segue back to the... So. All right. Well, thank you very much for... Unless there's... Is there anything else you'd like to say? No, I just thank... I enjoyed this very much. Thank you for inviting me to be on the third season. All right. Happy opener. to be here, the opener. Um, it was fun. And... Uh, I have a theme song. Or do we have a theme song? Or do like a theme video or... A video. Oh, Lord. As long as I don't want to be in it. There you go. Well, well, someone else can be in charge of that. <laughs> when all the interviews we do, we could have like their like their face and like their name underneath and yeah 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 and like sounds cool yeah feel free anyone <laughs> listening want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> do that. thank you very much and thank you everyone to li- for listening thanks to all who participate charles who does the the processing of these uh things to make them sound good and to jennifer peterson who does the has done the intro and outro all of you who listen invisible publishing for uh giving us copies of uh book of annotations and and other books and uh anyone else that i haven't remembered to thank (laughs) yep thanks everyone until next time thanks guys small machine talks with amanda earl and am kozak